0: On our week one preview episode of the Ultimate Tennessee Podcast, I sit down with Rob Harvey and Ben McKee to talk about Tennessee versus South Carolina. We start with the concerns for the Vols. Where is this Tennessee team worrying us the most heading into Saturday afternoon's game in Columbia, South Carolina? And what concerns us the most about what South Carolina does well? And for me, can Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee finally put together a positive week one performance after two straight seasons of disappointment coming out of the gate. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about our picks for week one across the SEC. I'm going to give you picks against the spread for every game in the Southeastern Conference towards the end of the podcast today, Uh, give you some winners and losers, and one big upset in the early window of games in the SEC. That's coming up today as well. But as always, we want to remind you right off the bat that we are sponsored by Brentwood Hearing Center, the hearing care provider in Middle Tennessee. They've got a convenient location at the Brentwood Old Hickory exit right off of Franklin Pike, Suite 100, over there on Franklin Road. Give them a visit if you're turning this all the way up to 11. Volume-wise, it, it's probably time to get your hearing checked. 615-377-0420. That's their number. You can check them out online at bretwoodhearingcenter.com. So without further ado, let's get going. It's week one in the SEC, and the UT Podcast is back. Here we go. Game week number one Tennessee and South Carolina this weekend. And the Ultimate Tennessee podcast is back, baby, here on a Wednesday afternoon. I'm your host, Will Bowling, as always. Pleased to be joined this afternoon through the magic of Zoom uh, by two good friends, uh, two gentlemen that know lots about Tennessee football and Tennessee athletics. Uh, This is the most I've complimented them, I think, in a 20 second span Uh, Rob Harvey, Ben McKee. Uh, alongside here this afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for taking the time. How are we doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great. I, it, although I have to look at Ben's ugly face, so that just kind <laughs> of <Wow. laughs> puts it down. Off to oh, a hot that, start that, today.
2: That, that's how we're starting. Um, <laughs> now, in, in regards to to Will complimenting us, uh, that that's more of a you problem, Will, not necessarily a <laughs> us problem. But we'll we'll save that for for later. But I'm happy to be here thrilled to be back on the ultimate Tennessee podcast and I appreciate you having me for sure Will. Uh,
0: gonna hit a lot of topics today. Uh, want to preview South Carolina. Uh, want to talk about this Tennessee team as it stands right now going into week one. Um, let's start with concerns. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about concerns about Tennessee. Concerns about what I guess concerns us about South Carolina. Uh, and I guess Ben I'll start with you. If you're pinpointing one main concern for this Tennessee team going into week one where they currently stand, where do those start for you?
2: Without a doubt, the defensive front. In order to win in the SEC, you have to be able to be physical up front along the defensive line, and you have to be able to generate a pass rush off the edge. And in terms of the defensive line, that is a group on the football team that Jeremy Pruitt has questioned throughout, throughout fall camp. Saying at one point that they were playing with a lack of physicality, and that just sends off alarms in in my head because South Carolina doesn't have a a ton of talent, but they have enough talent to take advantage of a Tennessee defensive front that does not play with physicality. And on on top of on top of that, their offensive line is is viewed as the strength of the, of the team going into the season, and they have experience along the offensive line. So if Tennessee's defensive line doesn't show up on Saturday, it can quickly eliminate and make life tough on Tennessee for for sixty minutes. So that's that's what I look at and I kind of pair the defensive line with the edge rushers because you are losing Darrell Taylor. Obviously this will be the first game without Darrell Taylor. So is Roman Harrison ready to step up? Is Tyler Barron or Morvin Joseph two freshmen who had pretty good pretty good fall camps? Are they ready to contribute from game number one? You have Cav to be one of the starting outside backers, uh, and, and he's a guy that last year showed that he can get to the quarterback off the edge, uh, but who can step up next to him and, and really help pressure a, a quarterback who is starting for the first time at at South Carolina in Colorado State grad transfer colin hill and he's also coming off of a a third acl tier so uh tennessee's defensive front is really going to need to step up and and play play quite frankly better than they did during fall camp so so that is the most concerning aspect of tennessee's team right now for me
1: yeah uh you kind of stole mine there but uh just to kind of follow up uh follow up with that you know you just you have just a lot of uncertainty there you don't know also is uh Daryl Middleton you know you don't know if he's going to play he's the second team on the depth chart which kind of makes you think who knows what's going to happen there but um yeah you just you know who knows with Jeremy Pruitt a lack of physicality to Pruitt could mean they're still pretty good you know I know he's a very defensive-minded guy so that you know a, a lack of physicality to him could, could still mean, you know, that's a very solid defense. And I think that's what kind of some people, you know, some no, news you hear out of practice is too, that they're still a very solid defense. But to prove it, he just wants to see a little more. Um, on the offensive side, though, I think just a, maybe a concern is running backs um, and not in maybe the depth of running back because you know what you're going to get with Tyler Chandler and Eric Gray. But with D Beckwith not playing, you you kind of don't know what's coming after them. You know, you sit there and and if, one, if, if a Ty Chandler and Eric Gray gets hurt, you're not sure, you know, who, who do you put out there, you know. I, I guess you could put, you know, anyone out there with that offensive line if they play to their potential. But a little bit of a concern just on the depth side at running back for me.
0: So for me, it's week one. Uh, this has been an issue for Jeremy Pruitt his first two seasons at Tennessee. Obviously, last year it's well advertised they – run five plays on offense the entire game and lose to Georgia State. How does this team come out of the gates? Because Jeremy Pruitt with a long time to prepare has not been good at Tennessee and even going into the bowl game against Indiana, they come out flat in that first half with a month to prepare for for Indiana and in the layer Bowl and that to me is is the biggest issue. Now, is a lot of that fixed with Jim Chaney and Gear 2 probably? Uh, and from a, a Tennessee perspective, it hopefully is. But how does this team prepare for week one compared to how they did last year? Because the, the offense cannot look as simple as it did a year ago when Tennessee's coaching staff basically said, look, we feel like we're good enough to run five plays and beat Georgia State. And obviously that wasn't the case.
2: Yeah, and I think those issues will be fixed. Tennessee has obviously harped on that during during fall camp. And, by nature, it'll help that Tennessee is starting with a with an SEC conference team and a team that's within their own division in South Carolina, uh, a team that outside of Tennessee, people view as neck and neck in terms of the pecking order in the SEC and, and maybe even in the SEC East. So I, I don't think you'll see that issue. I think Henry Toa said it perfectly as simple as it sounds yesterday during his media availability that they know what to expect. They, they know what is coming. This is still a relatively young football team. When you look at Henry To'o Toa and Eric Gray and Darnell Wright and Juan J. Morris and Jalen McCullough and the list that goes on and on and on. Uh, so the, those guys have plenty of playing experience because they played more than the typical true freshman. but they're still young. Last year they didn't know what they were, they were walking into uh, this this season, they absolutely know what to expect, even with the weirdness of of COVID. And when I speak about knowing what to expect, uh, Eric Gray talked about yesterday realizing that holes along the offensive line in the SEC close up a thousand times faster than they do in high school. So it's things like that that they are aware of that they weren't last year when they were facing Georgia Georgia State and, and BYU. So I think just naturally with those guys having a year under their belt and a lot of those sophomores and uh, juniors that that signed under Pruitt, they all know what to expect now. And they're comfortable with Derek Ansley on the defensive side of the ball and they're comfortable with Jim Chaney on the offensive side of the ball. So I think that's going to kind of auto-correct itself.
0: Here's the other thing I have on offense, too, and and Rob, I'll get your opinion on this as well. Sorry to talk over you. This is uh, the magic of Zoom, uh, full at work here. Um, Is Josh Palmer ready to be a wide receiver one for this team? Because I feel like Tennessee, especially against South Carolina last year, technically Jawan Jennings was their starting quarterback against South Carolina last season. Let's not forget that, first of all. They really got bailed out by really good receiver play in a lot of games last season, you could point to Kentucky, you know, they get a couple jump balls in the end zone that I don't think a lot of guys on this roster, you're as confident of them making those plays. South Carolina was, was kind of the same way. Jawan Jennings had a couple of huge plays in that football game. I don't see a game breaker on the offensive side of the football right now for Tennessee, like they had last year in Jawan Jennings, who can bail them out and get 40, 50 yards after the catch.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I think last year with Palmer, I, from at least my perspective, he seemed like the most NFL type wide receiver just in terms of what he was able to do, how he positioned himself down the sideline to make some, you know, especially against Kentucky yeah. and Missouri both to make some really incredible catches. Um but, you know, he kind of flew under the radar cuz like you said everyone was keying in on Callaway and Jennings so you know he kind of got left open so it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to I guess the pressure of being that number one receiver Um, I think it helps that he will have a older guy like Vellis Jones coming in and kind of helping him along with that Um, I think you know he's obviously going to be the the kick returner but I think you know he'll definitely provide some speed for that offense and you got you know, Keaton and Tillman both coming back for their second year. And, you know, they both got playing time last year. Um, So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they can do. I, I think Palmer will probably be ready. You know, he's had two – this will be year three, you know, really him being a pivotal part of the offense. Um I think it'll just be, you know, can they get the ball to him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm with Rob. I think Josh Palmer's going to prove to be one of the better wide receivers in the SEC. and. I think he'll ultimately, when we look back five, six, seven years from now, I think he'll prove to have had the the better NFL career of he, Marquez Calloway, and Juwan Jennings. He can just do more. He's not as much of a one-trick pony as Jawan and Marquez was. Obviously, you have that level of comfort with, with Juwan that, that you can throw him the football on third and seven, and you know you're going to get the first down even if you throw it to him a yard or two short of the marker, you know he's going to find a way to break a tackle and and pick up that first down. So you do obviously lose that with Jawan, and you also lose the the leadership aspect, and uh, you you lose the, the ability to really fire up the team. But from my understanding... Josh Palmer has had an incredible offseason in terms of transforming into a, a true leader in the wide receiver room and picking up with Marquez Calloway and Juwan Jennings left off. And now he has taken a guy like Bayless Jones Jr. From USC under his wings, taking a Jalen Hyatt under his wings and and the 1000 other freshman receivers that Tennessee seems to have <laughs> with Jimmy Holloway and Jimmy Calloway and D Beckwith. though D Beckwith is bouncing from receiver to tight end to, to running back and Malachi Weidman, another freshman receiver. He's taken all of those guys under his wing and really helped this, this receiver room come along and be ready for week one. And also, Ramel Keaton, uh, as he enters his sophomore year, he's a guy that's taken a big step forward thanks to, to the leadership of, of Josh Palmer. I think the, the receiver room narrative is the most overrated narrative surrounding this Tennessee football team. Uh, yes, they don't have the, the names that they had. Yes, they need to go prove it on Saturdays. But I don't think the, the wide receiver room is going to be a weakness as maybe a national media member when they're, when they're examining the football team. The first thing you always read when when reading a description on Tennessee this offseason was, oh, they lose Jawan Jennings oh, they lose Marquez Calloway right. to make it seem like, oh, Tennessee's going to struggle at wide receiver this fall. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think Josh Palmer will, will obviously be the number one receiver and the rest will, will fill in and chip in. And there, there's a there's a ton of potential there uh, with Ramel Keaton and, and all all of those freshman receivers. And keep your eye on Cedric Tillman. He's a guy who had a really nice offseason and a really nice fall camp as well.
1: The other
0: thing I, I thought about that is obviously Ramel Keaton gets the nod on the depth chart as the one of the three starting wide receivers for this team. Is that actually the case or is that seniority kind of giving him the edge over a Jalen Hyatt who I think a lot of us expect to get more snaps and to get more catches. It, do we really think Ramel Keaton is the second or third receiver on this team or is he getting the nod on the depth chart just because he's the older guy you don't want to put a freshman receiver on there
2: i i think he's i, I think it'll vary game to game honestly who the sure. number two receiver will be it, it's hard to tell right now just because d'angelo gibbs who decided to opt out of this football season he was supposed to be the the number two guy yep. next to to josh palmer if not be 1a 1b or maybe even slightly better than palmer the the catches he made in in practice last year on scout team while he was having to sit out due to transfer rules. They were unbelievable and gave coaches a lot of hope for what Gibbs could do this year. Uh, I do think you'll see Brandon Johnson, Ramel Keaton and Josh Palmer as your first three receivers out there. But I think you'll see a ton of Jalen Hyatt. I think you'll, you'll see a ton of Valus Jones jr. And obviously it also depends on, on what Tennessee decides to, to do first play of the season. Um, Brandon Johnson and Ramel Keaton may play a ton game one, but if Tennessee decides to go out in the I formation to start the game, none of those guys are going to be credited with a start. Or even if um, Tennessee decides to go out in, in 12 personnel uh, with one back and, and two tight ends, uh, Ramel Keaton's probably not seeing the field or Valus Jones Jr. I, I don't know who that opposite receiver is going to be on the outside just yet. We have an idea that it Will probably be Brandon Johnson, but in that situation, Vellus Jones Jr. or Remel Keaton or Jalen Hyatt, guys who will play a ton, uh, they would not get credited for a start there. So I think you have a top six or seven that are that are truly going to to cycle in and out throughout the game next to Josh Palmer. I think something that's
1: interesting and kind of gets brought up here is, but with the depth chart being released, there's minus Harrison Bailey. There's not a true freshman on the depth chart. And I don't know if that's Pruitt, you know, trying to make a point or, but, but you don't, you know, the past couple of years, you hadn't seen that, you know, you've seen whether it's second string start and you've seen a lot of freshmen on that depth chart. So I think it's interesting that, um, you know, and I think it's, I think it shows the depth that Tennessee has at multiple positions, you know, that they're able to put, you know, first string, second string, senior, senior, junior, red shirt, junior, senior. And, uh, you know, I think that shows, I guess, how far, you know, Pruitt and his staff and his team have come, you know, since year one, the fact that there's no true freshman on there.
0: It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but I, yeah, yeah, having heard you say that now that that's true. There really aren't a lot of young guys that kind of got the nod um, out there at all. All right, let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We've talked about what concerns us about Tennessee. Uh, what concerns us about South Carolina? Uh, This is an offense that under Will Muschamp has not ranked higher than ninth in the SEC uh, during his tenure at South Carolina. Uh, As you mentioned, they go with Colin Hill, the quarterback that looks just like a guy that was playing in Nashville Sunday, Garner Minshew. Um, uh, Probably not as good as Minshew was against the Titans, uh, at least Tennessee fans can hope. But uh, grad transfer comes along with Mike Bobo from Colorado State. Um, it talked about the defensive front maybe being a point of concern for Tennessee, but this is a South Carolina team that I, I don't know what they do well on offense. I, I feel like they don't really have an identity, and it's going to be interesting to see what they look like under Mike Bobo for the first time as the offensive coordinator.
2: The thing that scares me the most with South Carolina's offense from a Tennessee perspective is tight end Nick Nick Muse. He is a guy that is also coming off of a torn ACL just as starting quarterback Colin Hill will be. But he's a guy that reports out of South Carolina are that he had a really strong fall camp. He's a guy that will be used heavily in an offense with Mike Bobo that already favors the tight end position. You go and you look at what their tight end did last year, and he was the third leading receiver on the team. I know Mike Bobo wasn't there last year, but Will Muschamp prefers a coordinator that does emphasize – the, the tight end position. And then you also kind of look at South Carolina's receiver room, uh, where Tennessee's DBs will absolutely have the edge on Saturday. Uh, they have one truly good wide receiver uh, in Shy Smith. Uh, and that's about it. They'll, they'll be relying on a couple of freshmen. Uh, they were hoping Jalen Brooks, a transfer from Charlton State, they were hoping that he was going to be cleared by the NCAA to play, but, of course, the NCAA denied him immediate eligibility. So they're relying on a couple of freshmen and a couple of guys who, who in their eyes, they're hoping to take that next step. So with the lack of receiver production, obviously there's going to be more of an emphasis on getting the ball to Nick Muse, the, the tight end, does Tennessee have somebody that can match up with him in coverage, whether that be uh, Sean Schamberger taking a stab at it, Uh, whether that be a safety. I don't know if that would be Trevon Flowers or or Jalen McCullough. Maybe we see a Key Lawrence, who's a a, a true hybrid of a safety and corner. Um, I think you could see Key Lawrence possibly in that situation. Don't know if they want to place that big of a responsibility on the shoulders of a freshman this early. But who matches up with with South Carolina's starting tight end? Nick Muse, who is viewed as a a future NFL uh, tight end. So that's what concerns me about South Carolina offensively. Defensively, we'll go back to the receiver room for Tennessee that we just talked about. I expect them to have a good season, but they they get a really strong test right out of the gate against a very good South Carolina secondary, and more specifically, one of the better – corner duos in the sec with jc horn who which jones didn't think was good enough to play it, so <laughs> I was a, say that. A, a lot uh, of tennessee and,
0: fans are going to know that name
2: yes and then israel mukuamu i apologize nice. to israel if i if I that, was <laughs> that was beautiful i know he's but, listening uh, right now 100%. he is going to be listening he told me um but <laughs> those those Josh Palmer, can, he, he as he tries to prove that he can be a true number one receiver, he has a tough test right out of the gate against one of the better corners in the SEC, somebody who will likely be a first-round draft pick. Uh, and then he also has J.C. Orne and a couple of other uh, really talented members of the South Carolina secondary. So that matchup is what I'll be looking for.
1: Yeah, for for me, offensively, I think it's just kind of the uncertainty. I just think, you, you know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback replacing – you know, a lot more guys just – if you're Tennessee, you just don't know really what all to expect. So I think the uncertainty there and, you know, I mean, Colin Hill is coming off his third ACL tear, which is quite amazing that he's still able to uh, play. But, um, you know, you, you just really don't know, like, what, what you're going to see from him and from Bobo. So I, I think the uncertainty on the offensive side of the ball is what could be a concern. Um, defensively, I'll go to the middle. I think linebackers. South Carolina could be really strong. Um, they've got Ernest Jones and then Brad Johnson on the outside, both really good guys who could honestly be all SEC type players if they have the year that people are kind of projecting them to have. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee kind of schemes around them. Um, you'll, you'll probably see a lot of a lot of running the ball. It seems like you know South Carolina is replacing a lot on the defensive line. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll look a little different. But middle, but linebacker, you know, Ernest Jones is a very good middle linebacker. Brad Johnson, very good on the outside. I think they could potentially cause some issues for Tennessee.
2: And Ernest Jones is the guy that's coming off of, a, of a, an appendix surgery. Uh, he had yep. an appendectomy earlier in fall camp. So he kind of was just now cleared to play. We'll see how effective he is after missing so much, so much time during fall camp.
0: Speaking from someone who's had that appendix surgery, I would not have been able to play football <laughs> very close to uh, to that procedure. Robin, are you the same way? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so I'm not going to put you totally on the spot, but in a second, I will ask for picks uh, for Saturday's game. So uh, while you think about that, uh, for this question, I want a simple yes or no prediction: Will Cade Mays make his Tennessee debut on Saturday against South Carolina? Yes or no, Rob, I'll start with you.
1: Yes. Okay. There There you go. go. There's my simple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, we all honestly could flip a coin because that's how these things, I think, are decided. Uh, Obviously, it's out of the NCAA's hands, now in the SEC's hands, but um, I I would be surprised if Greg Sankey died on that hill and, and really decided to enforce that rule that you can't transfer within the SEC and play right away. I, I feel like that's, it's, it's going to work out. It,
1: it has to. It, but, but you, you, you know, he'll, uh, he'll take it to the 11th hour there. It'll be exactly, uh, <laughs> it'll be late Friday night, Saturday morning right. uh, before you hear anything.
0: Okay. So my pick, uh, I'll start off here. Give you guys some time to uh, to think about it. Maybe you already have a pick in mind. Uh, I'm going to take Tennessee by a touchdown. Uh, at something in the 24-17 range. Um, And and I think early on in this season, I'm always going to give emphasis and the benefit of the doubt to the team that runs the football better. Because I think in a COVID offseason, where offenses are going to have to be a little bit simpler than they would like to be at this point, just from a camp and practice point of view and not getting as many reps, I think the team that runs the football better and is better up front is going to have the edge across college football through weeks one through three. I think Tennessee is that team. I think Jarrett Garantano just simply has to manage the football game. I think Eric Gray is going to continue to become the feature back of this offense. Uh, And I think Tennessee gets it done by a touchdown on the road at South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same ballpark as you, Will. I'm I'm going Tennessee 24-20 somewhere in that ballpark I think it'll be a close ugly football game I was very confident in Tennessee beating South Carolina at the beginning of fall camp in fact on the Swain event I think I mentioned that I I think Tennessee wins 10 to 13 points by 10 to 13 points I I think on paper in a normal year if if we played the game on paper which obviously we don't there's a reason we play the game uh, but on paper I think Everybody healthy, no COVID issues. Uh, I think Tennessee has the better coaching staff. I think Tennessee has the better offense from top to bottom. I think Tennessee has the better defense from top to bottom. I think Tennessee has the better special teams unit from top to bottom. I simply think Tennessee is a better football team from top to bottom. So at the beginning of fall camp, I was I was on the uh, Tennessee might win this by double digits, uh, 10 to 13. Maybe 17 points, more so 10 to 13 points. Uh, but as fall camp has progressed, and as we've learned about Tennessee's football team and the amount of players who who have been out due to contact tracing, the the lack of physicality along the defensive front that is something that is very concerning to me, and why I think Tennessee squeaks out uh, a close. Ugly win. South Carolina has the offensive line to take advantage of that. But on the flip side of that, Tennessee also has a dominant offensive line that I expected to really have a big day running the football. Jared Garantano plays within himself, doesn't turn the football over. And I think Tennessee squeaks out a, a close win, though I am much more nervous than I was at the beginning of fall camp because of the comments about Tennessee's lack of physicality yeah. along the defensive front that has to get fixed by Saturday.
1: I am uh, on the double-digit train, unlike you, Mr. Uh, Benjamin McKee. <laughs> uh, but but I think it's a late touchdown right at the end of the game. I'm going to go Tennessee 31 to 17. Um, I think the X factor for Tennessee is going to be their uh, secondary. I think you're going to see. I'll go two picks by the secondary that really sets Tennessee up in good position uh, offensively. And uh, you know, I think you, you obviously we'll see some rustiness. You know. You even you know you saw it in the NFL week one. You've seen it all across sports, with getting back in. You know it's it's different. It's it's different this year. Um, so there will definitely be some rustiness. But I think Tennessee's experience, really. You know South Carolina has a few players. You know who has that experience, but they are replacing a lot. So they're very inexperienced. Whereas Tennessee is a pretty you know experienced team, like we've talked about. So I think Tennessee comes in with a good game plan. I agree with Ben. Better coaching. So. I think Tennessee scores late to make it double digits, but I think Tennessee 31, 17.
0: All right, boys, we are all taking the Vols uh, this weekend, Rob by two touchdowns. I'm going to touchdown and Ben's in that field goal, to touchdown range. So uh, some varying opinions. I like the variety uh, today. I'm glad we didn't all have the exact same pick, uh, but certainly, uh, certainly a closer than I think a lot of us would have thought when the schedule came out. I think we can definitely all agree on that, that, Um, it's it's made things a little bit more dicey uh, for Tennessee but uh, certainly expecting them to get the win this week Uh, all right boys uh, appreciate the time Uh, I'll certainly be calling on you guys again uh, later in the season I I like these roundtable discussions this is uh this is good it's good for us to call each other ugly and talk about Tennessee
1: (laughs) just as long as I don't have to see Ben's face uh, every week you know
2: Appreciate you having me on, Will.
0: <laughs> I will. Uh, I will uh, definitely confirm that if the Cardinals knock the Braves out again in the playoffs, Rob might not make it back on this podcast. So enjoy him while if, you have him, America. Do it it doesn't it count. It's just a three if, game
1: series. It's oh, here we count. go. All but right. it's okay,
2: Rob. It's the Braves in the playoffs. You have nothing to worry about. <laughs>
0: See, does that? Does that? Can I count that as advancing? If you just advance, I don't. I I feel like I'm not going to celebrate that as advancing. Don't like, worry. Get, get past the NLDS. The Braves will hang a banner.
1: They'll
2: do it. <laughs> well, didn't it, didn't Ronald on Tuesday night say that it was World Series or bust? Yeah, he, I mean it is. It absolutely it is. is. The the Braves have reached that point to where they've they've gotten over the losing years yep. uh, last decade, and they have the team. Well, I'm a Yankees fan, so I can't talk. But the Yankees <laughs> and the Braves, they won't be winning the World Series because of starting pitching. So they're in the uh, same theori- boat. So I, I would say that the Braves have the, the the roster to go win a World Series, but they don't because they with don't a, have pitching just like my Yankees.
0: With a healthy Mike Soroka, I would actually pick us to be one of the favorites, but uh, that's not, not enough. Not enough on the back end. <laughs> As
1: Ben shakes his head.
0: <laughs> yep. All right, boys. Appreciate it. We will. Uh, we will talk again soon. we get to our Week 1 picks, I want to take the time to remind you that this podcast is made possible by the great folks at Brentwood Hearing Center, who's been providing sound solutions in Tennessee for over 30 years. They've got five doctors of audiology ready to diagnose your hearing challenges. And they can do it from their convenient location just off of the Brentwood Old Hickory exit on Franklin Pike in Brentwood. Give them a call at 615-377-0420 if you've got friends, relatives always telling you that maybe you're talking too loud or they're talking too loud because you can't hear them. They'll do a great job diagnosing your hearing problems and getting the best fix with new cutting-edge hearing aid technology that can also connect wirelessly your iphone android device or even your television check them out online at brentwoodhearingcenter.com and the number again is 615-377-0420 okay let's get some picks for week one in the sec it starts at 11 o'clock with two games starting with the debut of the lane train in oxford mississippi florida on the road at ole miss for an 11 o'clock kick florida getting 14 and a half points uh, and the Gators last year were pretty good against the spread under Dan Mullen, 8-5. and five. Uh, But under a new head coach, I think I like Florida's defense to cover the 14.5 points they get against the Rebels slash Landsharks uh, this weekend at Oxford. This is one of the tougher picks, I think, of the week. Uh, but I'm going to give the nod to the continuity of Dan Mullen and this Florida defense uh, against Lane Kiffin and his first game at Ole Miss. Uh, I think Florida probably wins by around 16 to 17, uh, but I like them to cover on the road against the Rebels. Kentucky and Auburn, another 11 o'clock kick. Auburn getting ten and a half and a points uh, at home against the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think this is maybe a different pick for me if there are more fans in the stands uh, in Auburn, Alabama this weekend. But no SEC team covered more than Kentucky last season. They were 10 and three against the spread uh i think kentucky has a chance of winning this game outright um and and i think this is you know as i say this this is my upset pick of the week i think kentucky gets the job done on the road so i'm taking them plus ten and a half against the tigers uh i like what kentucky brings back on offense uh that defense has been really good but up front they have been excellent uh under mark stoops and he has just done an outstanding job Auburn was nine and four against the spread last year, that number though too good not to go with Kentucky against the spread, uh, but my upset pick of the week i 'm taking the Wildcats on the road uh, against the Auburn Tigers. Mississippi State goes to Death Valley to face a socially distanced crowd and the defending national champions in lSU two thirty CBS game lSU getting sixteen and a half. And look, they're going to be rusty. They lost a lot of talent to the NFL, obviously losing Joe Burrow, uh, losing Christian Fulton, who gets his first interception for the Titans last weekend. Uh, And then Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin both opt out to focus on the NFL draft as well. This is a tough pick uh, as well. I think Mississippi State will put up some points in week one under Mike Leach for the first time. Death Valley doesn't have the same home field advantage when it's not totally packed to capacity. I like the Bulldogs to put up some points, but I can't go against LSU covering at home. They covered 10 of it, of their 15 games last season. They'll go 1-0 Saturday, and I think they cover 16.5 at home against Mississippi State. Georgia at Arkansas, 3 o'clock. Georgia getting 26.5. This is, I think, the easiest pick in the SEC of the weekend. First game for Coach Sam Pittman, I'm all over Georgia covering 26-and-a-half, regardless of who they start at quarterback. Razorbacks were 4-and-8 against the spread last season, one of the worst in the SEC against the line, actually tied with Missouri uh, for second worst uh, behind Vanderbilt. Uh, I like Georgia covering 26-and-a-half, 3 o'clock kick uh, in that middle window on Saturday. Alabama at Missouri, 6 o'clock in the final slate of games. Uh, Alabama with a 27-point line in favor of them. Uh, Missouri was 4-8, and eight, just like Arkansas, against the spread last season. Bama got its COVID cases out of the way early in the offseason. Missouri, they'll be missing a handful of players. I like the tie to cover 27 points on the road in Como. Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. This is a tricky one for me. At 6.30, Uh Texas A&M actually the biggest favorite in the SEC week one. The Aggies are a 31-point favorite. And to be honest, I think that's a little bit high uh, for anybody in week one uh, in the SEC. I think Vanderbilt is the worst team in the SEC going into week one, but I think they'll get a late score or two, possibly against the second-team defense for Texas A&M to cover that 31-point spread. I think the Aggies roll in this one. I think they get up to such a big early lead that it's going to be hard for them to cover that number. Um, but on the flip side, Vandy was 3-9 and nine against the spread last year. I just think 31 points. A little bit too much for me to pick Vanderbilt uh, to cover that on the road this weekend. And then Tennessee at South Carolina. Uh, you heard our picks just a moment ago here on the UT Podcast. Uh, I'm taking Tennessee 24-17. to 17. Uh, covering that three-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, But I think that's about right. Based on how Tennessee's looked in week one under Jeremy Pruitt last season against Georgia State and in year one against West Virginia, hasn't been good. Nothing would surprise me in this game. Tennessee getting a late Brent a field goal to win it uh, would also not surprise me. But I'm confident in Tennessee's ability to run the football and play behind that big offensive line. That's the difference in this football game. I think Tennessee wins it by a touchdown. All right, so that does it for our week one preview here on the UT Podcast. Uh, Thanks again to Ben McKee, Rob Harvey, for joining me here this afternoon. Uh, Make sure you're finding us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, We will be doing these every single week during the Tennessee football season, uh, hoping to have more roundtable discussions and get more guys in the mix uh, as we talk about Tennessee football every week. South Carolina this weekend, it's a 6.30 start. It's SEC Network, uh, and then it's Missouri in week two. We will be back to preview that one and talk about week one next week. Happy football. Enjoy your SEC Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week on the 104.5 The Zone Podcast Network.